It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible, and skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Get our weekly episodes, new blog posts, and articles recommended by Beth and me delivered directly to your inbox by signing up for our email newsletter at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. We decided that our word for 2017 is forward. Today we're exploring what exactly that means for all of us in the Trump era. This is Sarah from the left. And Beth from the right. You're listening to Pantsuit Politics. No shouting, no insults, plenty of nuance. Welcome to season three, everybody. In this episode, we're going to be talking about Sean Spicer and alternative facts, what Ford means in the Trump era, and what we're personally looking forward to this year. So Sean Spicer had his first press briefing is probably Mm, a generous generous. word. Let's call it his first press scolding, because maybe that's what it's going to be. Mm. He essentially walked into the White House briefing room showed some pictures of inaugural crowds, insisted that Donald Trump had the biggest crowd ever in the history of all crowds, shut up, stop writing about this, move on, and left the room. Without taking questions. Without taking a single question. 
I think this is one of the most alarming things that has happened because they are in now, right? Yep. Like this wasn't spin. This isn't a campaign event. This is not the RNC. This is the White House. This is the press secretary. And this was his approach to his first meeting with the media. Well, and he struck a very similar tone when he went to CIA headquarters. Right. So Donald, Donald Trump, Trump himself. Donald Trump himself stood in front of the wall that honors CIA officials who have died right in the line of duty and talked weirdly for about, I don't know, 15 minutes or so, mostly about the crowds again, also about how smart he is, how great Mike Pompeo is going to be how probably most of the people in the room voted for him. They can't get out of campaign mode. No. That's the first thing I was going to say. The first thing is they they are not only prepared to run a campaign, they are not prepared to lead the country. Agreed. Their skill set is only suited to campaign mode. And I've read so many great critiques that are, you know, he the, the skills you need as a campaigner are not the skills you need as a commander-in-chief. And we are seeing that firsthand right now. And his team can only be fueled by a chip on their shoulder for so long. Mm -hmm. So Kellyanne Conway, as has lit up Twitter, right, Mm -hmm. was on Meet the Press today. And Chuck Todd said, come on, why? I loved how he framed this. Presidencies are about choices. Why did the new president choose to have the first press briefing be about such a petty topic Mm -hmm. and to tell objectively verifiable falsehoods? And Kellyanne Conway was rattled for the first time, I think. I've never seen her so off her game about something. And she ended up having to say that what Sean Spicer presented were, quote, alternative facts, which Chuck Todd very handily said, no, no, that's, that's false. That's just, alternative facts aren't a thing. No, that's an oxymoron. I just think that they are going to have to figure out a new approach. And I don't know if the point here is to have Sean Spicer be sort of the media scolder so that Trump himself can play a different role with the media, because you know, he's not going to let Spicer handle this. I, I get that he likes the press as a foil, so that he always has someone to be running against. But if we're going to be consumed by this kind of pettiness for four years, I don't know. I I don't know what to say about that. Well, and she went after this moment when they let the press in for his signings, which seemed weird to me anyway. I just don't remember seeing, and I'm sure it happened, and maybe they were just more careful about the pictures that came out, but I don't remember seeing from the Obama White House this, like, mass of cameras all up in the Oval Office. It kind of weirds me out. I just don't like it. Um, And one of the reporters that came in reported that they had moved the MLK bust. And it went all over Twitter. They've they've removed the Martin Luther King bust. And the guy was like, oh, no, wait. It was like, it was hidden. It was behind a door or something. And then it was, they messed it up. And so that's what she said. Like, well, him saying that the bust was gone is just the same thing. No, it's not. And that guy's not the president. Like, the idea that, like, this is a, you know, well, you did it too. Even if they did, they're the press. You're the president. So, I'm just not sure where you're going with that, friend. So, I have a 
the only thing I would push back on a little bit there is like, I am excited. Let cameras everywhere. Be transparent. Be open. Because my fear has been that the press is not going to have sufficient access. So I was happy to see the press there for the signing of the orders, even though that's a staged event and different than a lot of what we're talking about. I'll take it. I think that it was silly to have the tweet about the bust. And, and, and I take Kellyanne Conway's point. It's indicative of an attitude from the press about this team. Fine. But again, just playing the victim for four years is not going to get this done. Mm-hmm. You cannot come back to every criticism about, you, you know, with this response that everyone doesn't like us. You're all being mean to us. Come on. Like, you're, you're running the most powerful country in the world now. So act like it. Let some things go. That's the thing about crowd size. Just shut up. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Well, and I read a really interesting critique on a website called The Resurgent that Josh from um, Big Questions posted that I've been thinking about a lot since the Sean Spicer thing. And this guy's point was, you know, basically the press was sort of gleefully reporting on the Women's March and um, ignoring some of the nasty things, some of the the speakers were saying, which really bugs me. I don't think that 2.5 million people turning out worldwide should be rejected because Madonna or Ashley Judd shot off the mouth. Like, it's just really ridiculous to me that people want to focus in on that. But this guy's point was sort of like, it just reinforces that there's this double standard and that um, the press can do what sort of do whatever they want and be wrong about the MLK bust and stuff like that. And then when Trump is wrong, he gets beaten up and the press has a a lower approval rating. And when Donald Trump just puts the press on the defensive and engages in these cat fights, he's really just distracting from them. And so I think there's a couple layers to that. I think that I do think the press needs to stop being, I don't know if defensive is the right word, Like, I think the media has to be very careful that they don't come off as sort of like, hmm, he's picking on us and we're always wonderful and fair, which is not a standard anyone expects them to meet. But, like, I think they have to be careful about that. But at the same time, I just also don't think they should be held to the same standards. You know, like, you're talking about a huge, massive amount of different media sources and the president. So, I don't know. I, I struggled with that. I do think there's a little, I think that Trump and his team definitely sort of pit them against each other and put them, you know, try to make them look like they're victims when nobody wants to hear that the press is a victim. Like they have bad approval ratings too. And nobody wants to hear them whining about how they're victims. But like at the same time, this idea that like we can't trust anything that they just lie and everything comes out. Like can nobody see how, what a terrible sort of situation that leads us to in which no one can criticize or report, you know, a bad situation or a bad turnout about, you know, if if the mainstream media lies about everything, who's ever going to tell us what's going on? We're supposed to just, you know, depend on the White House and Donald Trump to always tell us everything, even when they screw up. Like, does anybody really believe that either? I don't, I don't know. Well, this is a big problem with what Sean Spicer just did, because how are we to believe 
what the press secretary says about anything Mm -hmm. going forward now. Because if you're going to lie about something so petty, this isn't coming out and spinning a situation or omitting facts in the interest of national security. Press secretaries have to do some hard things. They have to thread some very tiny needles sometimes, right? And there are good reasons for that. But he started out saying bald face things that were not true and don't matter. Mm -hmm. And now his credibility, in my view, is just lost. And I don't know how he could redeem it. As far as the general press, the Washington Post has a really interesting piece out about a New York Times story on Rick Perry. And the New York Times reports based on, you know, unnamed sources that Rick Perry thought when he was nominated to be the Secretary of Energy, that he was going to be about oil and gas in the world, basically, and that he had to learn that, no, actually, his job is about nuclear energy. It's about physics. (laughs) It was was like a Nobel Prize winning physicist who was last in charge. And national security. And that that's a problem, right? And the Washington Post makes the point that how you read this story is a real litmus test for how you feel about the press. And I think that we're in a situation now where basically everything is a litmus test of how Mm -hmm. you feel Mm -hmm. about the press. And that is not a healthy situation. Mm -hmm. And it is not a situated, not a situation aided by the Trump team coming out on the offensive over stuff that doesn't matter. I was reading this weekend. I read the book tribe. I posted a little bit about it on um, our Instagram feed. It had some interesting thoughts about our Western society and its effect on mental illness. But, you know, I, and this guy makes an interesting sort of nuanced point about our hyperpolarized situation and that both parties and the way they see things and read things are reacting to sort of very, a very um, evolutionary important role, which was either, you know, conservatives worry about freeloaders, which was super important to your community and your tribe, and Democrats worrying about taking care of weak members of your tribe, which was also that's a vast overstatement, obviously. But like it was very, it was interesting the way he said, like, look, both of these were evolutionary important to a tribe or a community survival. But you know, one of his big points is that people need something to be a part of, and people need sort of something to fight against. And I just think there's a part of me that's like, that's why we're like this. We're like this because you know, we don't have anything to get on the same side about. I mean, like, I just think that until, and I was reading that book and having just this this sort of the terrible thought of like, is it going to take another war or another terrorist attack before we realize like, oh shit, yeah, we're all on the same team. And I'm sort of at this point, like when we have alternative facts and nobody can agree on the most basic thing, maybe that is what it's going to have to take. And that seems to be the Trump imperative too, right? I have to have someone who I'm against. So Mm -hmm. now it's going to be the press. I've, defeated my campaign opponents so now i'm going to run against the media for the next four years and i just i don't think that's gonna work i certainly hope it doesn't and no one's claiming the press is perfect but the idea that they lie about everything or that you know you the um washington post and the new york times are no different than you know breitbart it's just so disturbing to me they also did you see that they admitted that he did not write the speech I saw that Steve Bannon. Mm-hmm. And well, yeah, American Carnage. Are, is anybody surprised? 
Right. It, when I heard that, I thought, well, no, that makes more sense than anything else I've heard lately, that that yep. was a Steve Bannon speech. Yep. Well, and it's the same thing with the march. It's just everybody's the filter sort of that everybody sees that through, too. And the well, they're just lying or, you know, oh, it's, it's so it's a bummer, even though I'm still the march made me feel much better, even though I wasn't a part of it. Just see that massive number of people turn out made me feel like I was I wasn't crazy all along. And maybe everybody didn't hate anyone that was different from them. So that felt a little bit better. <laughs> It's a vast overstatement as well. I was interested because I saw your text message about, you know, the march made me feel not so alone. And I thought that was so interesting because I feel like there's something in my brain that is not wired that way. Like, again, I have total respect for the march. I really enjoyed watching it on social media. I loved reading the signs, which I thought were like it was an A game on the signs. I mean, if you don't love the you've pissed off grandma signs, check and make sure you still have a funny bone and a heart because, man, I love the pissed off granny signs. I liked that I have 99 problems and the patriarchy is like half of them. Um, I thought that was really – and my favorites were the ones that was like, I'm an introvert, but that's how bad this is. So I really related to that. But anyway, I just thought it was interesting that you watched it and thought, hey, I'm not alone in the way I feel about things. And I watched it and thought, I think I might be alone in how I feel about things. <laughs> Well, so should we compliment the other side before we talk about sort of what we see as the action steps for our podcast and for us as individuals who care about politics? Yes. Well, I'll start and say that I have been impressed with Joe Manchin. And before anybody gets like their feathers ruffled about that, I I completely understand Joe Manchin's political reality and his motivations for what he does. That said, I'm going to take my hat off to anyone who uses the word moderate openly. Mm -hmm. And he describes himself as a moderate Democrat. I appreciate that he seems to be picking his battles on the cabinet choices I know that he has serious concerns about Betsy DeVos and Tom Price. Those aren't the battles that I would choose if I were him necessarily. But I like that he's kind of saying, look, I think Rick Perry is a good guy. I'm going to introduce him for confirmation. These two are a problem for me. I liked how he talked about uh, representing his state on education, even though I have a different view on education than he does. He talked about the fact that you know, school choice probably works better in large cities. He has no large cities in West Virginia. Public education is incredibly important to his state. I just think his perspective on his role has been good. I think the way he expresses himself is good. I definitely don't align with most of his viewpoints, but I don't have to to really respect the way that he's talking about these issues. And I feel like he's just not trying to, like, check off a bunch of talking points, but is being pretty open. So I am picking Justin Amash. Is that how you say his name? I think so. From Michigan. I found him because you retweeted. What did he say at that? He had a tweet that you retweeted that was basically like, please stop. Cut it out. Yeah, it said, dude, just stop. And I think it was when Trump was tweeting about Arnold Schwarzenegger's Celebrity Apprentice ratings. (laughs) I'm not sure there's so many choices where dude, just stop would have been perfect. But I think that's the one. And I just think, you know, I, I was looking through a town hall he had that was like standing room only. 
And it sounds like, you know, he's not in some super safe district where everybody agrees with him all the time because they, they call, he called it Obamacare and he got shouted down, which I thought was pretty hilarious. But, like, I respect any representative that will just show up knowing that not all the crowd's going to agree with his every view he takes and just, you know, sort of stand on his principles and walk through why he thinks that way. And um, I really sort of appreciate his approach. In this suit today, we're going to talk about what forward means. Um, one of our listeners, we ask all of our listeners to help us identify a word for our podcast for this year. One of our listeners submitted the word forward, which felt right to us. And I think it's a really hard question how to move forward right now. So we thought we'd go through maybe some of our thoughts and suggestions. We are special breakfast people here at Pantsuit Politics, but not just when Beth and I are on the road. The truth is, I want something warm from the oven every Saturday morning and Sunday morning. It's just the truth. It makes it feel special, makes it feel exciting. I don't want to work at it. So the first time I ever saw Wild Grain, which is bake from frozen subscription box for sourdough breads, fresh pastas, and artisanal pastries, I was obsessed. You guys, I've been a member for over a year. It's amazing. It's so easy. Every item bakes from frozen in 25 minutes or less, no thawing required. You can fully customize your wild grain box. You can choose any combination of breads, pastas, pastries. You can even build a box of only breads, only pastas, or only pastries if you'd like. And for a limited time, you can get $30 off the first box, plus free croissants in every box when you go to wildgrain.com pantsuit to start your subscription. Sometimes I make one single croissant just for me because I want to feel special and they're so good. You heard me. Free croissants in every box. And $30 off your first box when you go to wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. That's wildgrain.com slash pantsuit. Or you can use promo code pantsuit at checkout. Looking for the perfect gift to celebrate the moms in your life? Aura frames are beautiful, Wi-Fi connected digital picture frames that allow you to share and display unlimited photos. It's super easy to upload and share photos via the Aura app. And if you're giving an Aura as a gift, you can even personalize the frame with preloaded photos and memories. You guys, I love my Aura frames. I have one in my office. I have one in my kitchen. I have given one as a housewarming gift. I have given one as Mother's Day, Father's Day. They are the most amazing gifts because this app is a game changer, in my personal opinion, in digital frames. It makes it so, so easy to get the pictures on there and even videos. It plays like you're in Harry Potter, you guys. It is the best. I love mine so much. And right now, Aura has a great deal for Mother's Day. Listeners can save on the perfect gift by visiting AuraFrames.com to get $30 off plus free shipping on their best-selling frame. That's A-U-R-A Frames.com. Use code Pantsuit at checkout to save. Terms and conditions apply. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Can I get something off my chest? Every day I feel a little pang of sadness. Because I think about Griffin going away to college. Y'all, he's a freshman in high school. This is not healthy or normal. This is why I have it on my list of things to talk to my therapist about. We all carry around these things, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us. Therapy is a safe space to get these things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. 
Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapist anytime for no additional charge. You gotta get it off your chest. And you can get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash pantsuit today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash pantsuit. So, Beth, what does forward in the Trump era mean for you? A lot of things. I think that the most important aspect of moving forward to me right now is being discerning. What I mean by that is for myself, some of my commitments are I'm not going to react to headlines anymore. I'm going to read the full story. I'm going to read several stories on a topic before I decide what's going on. An example of that today would be there's a lot of kind of hype in the media about the American Sovereignty Restoration Act, which has been filed. uh, It was filed on January 3rd by a group of Republicans in Congress, including Representative Massey, who represents my district. And this has been filed before, though. Like, the point of it is to withdraw from the United Nations. Okay, well, this was done like a year ago. It said in committee forever. Massey himself at that time said this has like a 1% chance of passing. And it seems to me to be a distraction. There are a lot of important things going on right now. I would focus my energy perhaps on confirmation of cabinet appointees versus a bill that's unlikely to go anywhere. But when you just are following social media and headlines and even television media, it's easy to just chase shiny objects. So really going forward to me in a meaningful way is a lot about not chasing shiny objects. Yeah, I think that for me, I have really been thinking about, is this distracting? Is this a, oh, look over there situation? Right. Um, and really think, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to play checkers. Whenever, or no, wait, other way around. I'm trying to play chess while everybody else is playing checkers. I'm trying to see a couple steps ahead and think, you know, is this important? Is this just everybody's ego? What is this relevant to? Because there is so much to be done and so much to pay attention to that is really important. Distractions, which just none of us have time for them. The other thing I have been thinking a lot about is comparison, because this is what we seem to do right now. One of our listeners sent me some screenshots of like this really frustrating exchange she had about what Melania wore to the inauguration. And basically, people are just jumping around like, if you ever said anything about Michelle Obama, you cannot say anything about Melania, right? Or how do you how you react about Barron versus how you reacted about the Obama kids? And to me, that's all like petty nonsense that we shouldn't get into anyway. But I think comparison is not only the thief of joy, I think it's the enemy of progress. I think we have to stop the, I'm going to do this. Well, they did that on both sides, you know, because that is a dead end always. 
Oh, it's so hard, though. It's so hard. It's like, you know, I kind of wanted to put something on social media the other day with regards to that conversation and be like, if, please know there's really no way not to seem racist if you're doing the finally class is back in the White House. Like, there's just, there's no way that doesn't sound racist, at least to me. And so it's so, and I heard people over and over again, like there was a picture of Melania and Trump and Pence and his wife and everybody's like covering their hearts or saluting, but Melania and everybody was like, just imagine if Michelle hadn't saluted, you know, like, and it, it's like, there's just such a part of me that's like, yeah, it was, they were treated so unfairly in the, in the idea that like, we're all supposed to get in line and act like reasonable human beings is so frustrating because the treatment of the Obamas in particular was so out of the ordinary from the booing at the State of the Union and the calling him a liar and all that stuff. Like, it's just, it's, it's, it's such an emotional reaction. It's hard. It's so difficult to control. I know it doesn't move the conversation forward, but I got to say, I know how those people feel. It is very difficult. But you know what? If the Obamas don't react like that, then really nobody else needs to. (laughs) What I would say is it's fair. It's not forward. Mm Mm-hmm. So just Mm -hmm. recognize that. And I'm, you know, I'm not perfect in this regard either. That's why it's a focus for me. It doesn't help to constantly be in the mode of this versus that. And that's why I thought what Kelly and Conway did this morning was ridiculous. Yeah. You guys told the, you guys told something false about crowd size. Oh yeah. Well, you guys said something false about the bust. It doesn't matter. Like that that doesn't negate anything. The pot calling the kettle black is a logical fallacy. Right. It does not matter. What if you did it wrong? It doesn't make what I did any less wrong. Like they're both wrong. Like this is not complicated. The pot calling the kettle black doesn't change the fact that the kettle or the pot are black. It's just that simple. (laughs) Hypocrisy, it does not mean something is untrue. It is not an alternative fact. Another thing that forward means to me, and we talked a little bit about this in connection with the Women's March on our last episode, I am very much interested in stopping the box checking, like the you're with me on all of these issues or you're against me on all of these issues mentality. I think that finding coalitions around different topics is more important than it's ever been. And I think that means that we all have to give some room where maybe we don't want to. I also think we're going to get better candidates if we're willing to do that. I posted on Facebook that, you know, I'm not a marcher, but my contribution is to ask people to invite a woman to run for office. And several people, including listeners of the show, very kindly said, hey, Beth, will you run for office? (laughs) You asked for that. You walked right into that. That was definitely not my intention. (laughs) And then I had to think like for 24 hours about what to say to that. Um, But here's a reason that I have not ever even contemplated that seriously. I don't check all the boxes. You are not going to get a candidate like me through a primary in the environment that we're in today where people seriously attack one another for complimenting Melania's outfit if they're considered a liberal, right? Like that <laughs> that is not fertile ground for someone like me. So if we seriously want candidates on both sides who have some complexity in their views, we have to quit this. I think that what I would say is, because I think when you say don't check the box, people here, I have to change my position or I have to decide I care about this issue less. So let's use You don't. Most, I know, I know, I know. <laughs> so I, let's use the most complicated issue, which is, uh, or one of the most entrenched, which is abortion. 
No one is saying that if you are pro-life, you have to change your position and decide that abortion is not immoral. And no one is saying that if you're pro-choice, that you have to decide that abortion is immoral. (laughs) So I think that, but what you do have to do is like, let's just, I guess, depending on your perspective, zoom out or zoom in. Okay, so let's think of something that affects the amount of people who have abortions and see if there's anything we agree on. Okay, we can't restrict access because that's something pro-choice can't agree on. And we can't maybe do certain forms of birth control. You know what I mean? Like then maybe let's talk about forms of birth control we can all agree on and how to make those more accessible. So I think it's, you know, not checking a box means maybe let's find some area of common ground in that issue without anybody having to change the fundamentals of what they believe. But that's very difficult. I agree with that. And I would expand it to say, maybe I vote for someone who disagrees with me about abortion, even if that's important to me. Mm -hmm. Because on every other topic, especially on those topics, which will be within that person's province, you know, these other issues matter more. Mm -hmm. Well, and that's the thing. It's like, that might not be everybody. You're going to have some people that will never change on that. And that's fine. But maybe we all, we just all can't be the person who doesn't change on that. Well, that's what I'm saying. We we need people who are passionate on both sides. And we need people on the end. Like, we can't. I'm not saying the whole spectrum should come to the middle. It shouldn't. But there should be a spectrum. <laughs> there should be a spectrum. And if we all took half a step in the other direction occasionally, without thinking that we have just committed some kind of treasonous act toward those with whom we identify politically, that would be healthy. Look, I was scared to tell people I voted for Rand Paul. Legit scared. And I probably shouldn't be. No, you should not be. It's... And that's... There's a Kentucky aspect to that as well, right? Like, <laughs> Kentucky is not great at this... At this um, let's be nuanced thing that we're talking about. But I think that that's, if we're going to talk about moving forward, we have to talk about it in a way where someone does not have to line up with us perfectly on every single topic for us to be able to work together. Agreed. Sarah and I have talked many times about our desire to age as gracefully as possible. And skincare is a huge piece of that. I spend a lot of time and money thinking about my skin, and I have added Ritual to my routine, which just gives me a lot of comfort. Ritual is here for us. They have created a wrinkle support skin supplement and conducted clinical studies, so we know it's working. They're taking the guesswork out of skincare. Ritual Hyacera is one of several Ritual products that I love. I take the daily multivitamin, I take a probiotic, and Hyacera is that once daily skincare supplement that is clinically proven to reduce wrinkles and fine lines and increase skin smoothness in 90 days. I recently met a friend for the first time in person as opposed to online. And we were discussing the fact that I am 43 and she said, I cannot believe how young you look. And I thought, thank you, Ritual, for that. Start Hyacera to help minimize wrinkles without compromising on clean science. Hyacera from Ritual is a clinically proven skin supplement you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash pantsuit. Start Ritual or add Hyacera to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash pantsuit for 25% off. Do you want a bra that's sexy or a bra that's comfortable? Thanks to Third Love, you can have both. Third Love was started to take all the frustration, ick, and ugh out of bra shopping. That's why they make solutions for every bra problem, aka problems. 
Their bras make it easy to bring back perkiness you haven't seen since high school, get smoothing you know where, and have straps that actually stay put. Designed at their headquarters in San Francisco and made from premium materials, they put every style through hours of wear testing on real women, including themselves, before it's given the stamp of boob approval. Comfort and support are guaranteed. Plus, whether you're a double A cup or an H cup, their virtual fitting room will help you find your perfect fit fast. And they've even invented half cups. No more feeling stuck between two cup sizes that don't fit right. It's time to get your problems solved. Visit thirdlove.com and get 15% off your order with code PODCAST15. There's not much worse than a dry energy scalp. Also, when you get your hair colored and then it does not last as long as you and your stylist discussed, it could be that unfiltered, mineral-filled water is the culprit. Hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin, and about 85% of the United States uses hard water, filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered shower head comes in. Canopy, known for their beauty hacks and reimagined humidifier, has revolutionized the filtered shower head. Dermatologists recommended this unique three-stage filtration system greatly reduces contaminants and odors in your shower water leaving you with healthy hair and glowing skin. Best of all, the Canopy Filtered Showerhead is hassle-free. Installation is a breeze. And its unique quick-release filter replacement feature allows for seamless filter replacement unlike any others on the market. Go to getcanopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy Filtered Showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, our listeners can use code PANTSUIT at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you. Obviously. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that um, another thing to say about moving forward is that we all need to get involved in our ways. And whatever ways those are, it could mean writing letters or calling legislators. It could mean running for office. It could mean working on other people's campaigns. But I don't think that there is space to sit it out wherever you are, because I, I think there's this sentiment right now that like activism is only for the minority party. And I think that's been true for a long time. And particularly right now, a lot of us in the Republican Party are not represented, mm-hmm. even though we uh, you know, supposedly have all of the power. I think that some of the most important work that will happen over the next four years is restricting the power of the government under Republican control. You know, so I think all of us just have to find our ways to be involved that speak to our personalities and skill sets. And that's what I was going to say. I was going to make a pitch for like personality test or somebody needs to figure out a way like, you know, if you are an ENFJ, this is the kind of political activism that works (laughs) well for you. But, you know, I'm a person that likes I like, you know, sort of weekly checklist I like a good, you know, sort of systematic way to work through a list. Like, I know what appeals to my personality. So I really like the Wall of Us, which is a sort of anti-Trump resistance. And they send you, like, a weekly email. And it's like, send a letter about this. Here's some text. Did you do it? Check it off. Do, you know, sign this petition. Did you do it? Check it. Sign it off. I like that. And there's a couple of, like, really cool startups. One that a listener sent to us that we um, shared 
Well, I saw one today. There's a couple. There's one I saw today called, I think it's Swing State, and we'll put all the links to these in the show notes. But there's one that's called Swing State where you, like, put in your um, zip code, and they'll tell you the closest swing district where it was a small amount of votes that swung. And really, this is a Democratic one, but it would be real. It's kind of cool either way. Like, it's a kind of, it could be used as a tool to sort of reward moderation, but I think that, so I signed up for that one. There's one by the guy that I think started Move On, and I think that's the one the listener sent us, Project 400. Did you look at that one? And that one is Mm -hmm. bipartisan. And then there's Brand New Congress, That's the one I was, is that the one the listener sent us? We've gotten a couple. So the brand new Congress is really cool. It's like we're not bipartisan. We're bipartisan. We just want um, all new people, basically. Oh, so the one I was just talking about was swingleft.org. And then the brand new Congress, I think, is the one where it's like we just want we don't care. And it's it's you you um, nominate people. You can nominate people that you think would be a good fit for your district. And they'll give you like a checklist of things that they're looking for. And what's really cool, you can actually pick your district. You can go down your state, pick your district, and they'll say, okay, this is the makeup of this district. So when I clicked ours, it was like, this is a conservative Christian district. So this person needs to represent these values. And it's not party affiliated, which I think is really cool too. And then the last one, which is another democratic one, is this guy has like, if everybody in the democratic party gave 48 cents, let's see, what was it? It was like 48 cents, no, $4 and 68 cents a month. You can subscribe, and they'll take $4 out of your account every month, and he's going to distribute it um, across all the congressmen so that they all get a part of the money. He's going to distribute it equally across the country so it's not just money piling into certain districts or the coast or whatever. There's a very, like, equal distribution, and I thought that one was really cool, too, and we'll put that in the show notes. So, I I mean, I like stuff like that, so I'm like, sure, you can have my $4 a month. Yes, you can have my email. The Women's March also is very, like, systematic. Like, they had everybody text in during the march, and they took your name and your zip code and your address, and then they said, okay, week one, these are – no, it was, like, the first 100 days, here's our, like, wall of action that we're going to work through. So it seems like people are really trying to, like, keep the action items simple – to give people like sort of triggers for the actions and reminders. And it's really, it's really cool. So we'll continue to try to share information. Sarah, we've been talking about doing some classes. Maybe one of our classes could be like match your personality to political action. (laughs) Because I think that is a, a great idea and a fun way to move forward. So stay tuned for more on all of that. So in the heels today, we're going to talk about something that we're personally looking forward to. Do you have anything in mind, Sarah? Well, my family and I are planning a trip to Canada this summer. How exciting. We're part of Canada. Toronto, do you know how quickly you can be in Canada? How quickly can you be in Canada? I mean, like you personally could be in Canada in like eight hours. I'm not kidding. Are you driving or flying? Driving. That's faster than I would have thought. It's really fast. I'm telling you, like, Louisville was nine, and you're, what, an hour north of Louisville? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can be in Canada, Beth, in eight hours. That's bananas. I can't drive to North Carolina in the amount of time it takes me to get to Canada. I can get yeah, to Canada. Yeah, I that's, like, about going to the beach. So. Yeah, I can get to Canada faster than I can get to the beach. So we're going to go. It's 
public service announcement. It is Canada's 105th, 150th anniversary. All their national parks are free this year. So we will be going up to Toronto and doing a little big city stuff and then going to the beach um, and some national parks. I'm very excited about it. Um, Canada. That's awesome. Is your whole family going? Yes, we will be going with, um, we go on vacation with a a mutual friend of ours, Elizabeth. My uh, best friend from college has four kids, two older boys and two little girls. And the two older boys are basically, you know, gods to my sons. So they love to hang out with Jack and David. (laughs) So we will be going to Canada. I'm very excited. Well, mine is a trip also. Chad and I are going to London and Taking it is our 10th anniversary this year, so just the two of us are going to go to London for about 11 days, and I am pretty excited about it. You should take me with you. <laughs> you want to celebrate our anniversary mm-hmm. with us? Um, we haven't been overseas together, so we went to Jamaica for our honeymoon, but I feel like that doesn't count at all. So it'll be really nice for the two of us to get to do that. And we've talked about you know, how much time do we want to spend in London versus maybe going into Paris or Rome or spending some time in Scotland, where literally all of my husband's ancestors are from. Have you ever done the 23andMe stuff? No, but my uncle did it. And um, I know I know most of my ancestry back to at least the immigration part where they came over. And um, all my peeps, as we all know, I'm an eighth generation Kentuckian. All my peeps came over from Scotland, Ireland, and England. Like, I have to go really far back to even get, like, a smidgen of French. It's all Scot-Irish. Okay, well, when you do it, you get back your results, and there's a map, and it has, like, dots in various shades of color to show kind of where your ancestors come from. So Chad's is like, Scotland is red, and there's nothing else on his map. (laughs) So mine is all over the place. Down in the Middle East, all over Europe. There's some in Asia. I mean, Chad was like, what is happening with you? I've decided that this is why I've always been kind of an old soul that is just representing like lots of journeys through the universe, perhaps. (laughs) I'd be more pragmatic and suggest maybe you should send your test again. (laughs) You could, but I'm not going to because I'm happy with this result. (laughs) I don't want to be told. I'm going to take my alternative facts if that's indeed what they are. That's fine. Well, Nicholas uh, and I it, took two overseas. We took a couple overseas trips before um, Griffin was born, and we went to Paris, which was amazing. And we went to Tunisia before the Arab summer. And I'm really glad I went to a Middle Eastern country before it seems increasingly unsafe to ever do so. We had fabulous. It's fun. If you're good travel partners, my husband's sort of a worry wart, and I just have to ignore his freakouts and trudge through. But otherwise, we have a lot of good, a lot of fun. I think we'll do well with this. The only thing I'm worried about is that we both do like sort of wide open spaces and that is not Europe, right? And it's definitely not international travel, but I think it'll be well worth it. I love London. London is one of my absolute favorite cities. So we would love to hear what you guys are looking forward to this year. And something that we're looking forward to is continuing on with season three. We're going to have some fun on the blog. You'll start to see more regular posts now. I think Wednesdays and Saturdays are targets for new stuff on our blog. So check that out at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. We'll be back with you on Friday for another episode. Until then, keep it nuanced, y'all. Thank you to our producer, Nicholas Holland, and to our chief creative officer, Dante Lima, for all the work they do to make Pantsu Politics possible, and to all of you for making this community so special. Remember to like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Pantsu Politics, or Instagram at Pantsu Politics. 
Please leave us your feedback and send us your ideas for show topics and Pantsuit Primers on social media, or you can email us at sarah at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com or beth at pantsuitpoliticsshow.com. 